Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Hey, everybody. I'm still getting used to this. This is Laura Stewart, and I'm so excited to be here. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. It is that time of the week when it's all about the questions goes live, not on broadcast radio anymore. Now we are doing it a different way because people wanted to see the people that I was interviewing, not only listening to them on the podcast platforms that are heard in over 40 plus countries around the world, but also you wanted to see it on your favorite social media platforms. So I'm so excited that we get to do this now every week. This is my second week doing it. So um, I'm not real great at this yet. I haven't been able to figure out quite how to do the uh, respond to any comments that are going on live while I'm interviewing and keeping focus on my guests to give you the best content possible. So I promise you that I will be after the interview going there, answering any questions you have. And my guest, Jocelyn uh, Godfrey Carbonero, will be doing that as well. And I can't get used to not calling her Godfrey because that's how I knew her in the beginning. Um, She was always Jocelyn Carbonero, but she always went by a different professional name. Jocelyn was my book editor. And I am so excited to have this gorgeous person inside and out here with me today. And we're going to talk about something that people keep telling me they are desperate to learn. They they don't know the best way to do this. They think it can help their business. They think it can help their lives, but they're not really sure how to do it. And that's called telling your story. Jocelyn is one of the best book editors I've ever met in my entire life. And that's not just because... She was the editor for my book, What Would a Wise Woman Do? And I should have brought a copy here that I could have held up. But because I interviewed so many different editors prior to finding Jocelyn. And one of the things that I learned with book editing is not every editor is right for every author. And not every editor is right for every message. So it's important to find the person that's right for you that can help you bring your heart, your story, your message out to the world. So Jocelyn, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And I love the stories you tell. Thank you so much for for those kind words. I mean, I'm just completely honored to have been a part of your book process. Oh my gosh. I mean, and and you've done more than just book process for me. I've referred a ton of authors (laughs) to you who um, you've helped them with their books and they're all just amazed at how you managed to draw out for them um, a story that they didn't even fully know was inside of them. What got you into the work that you do? I mean, you're not only an editor, you are a ghostwriter, you are an agent, you've helped people craft their stories and their brands for their businesses outside of books. Is it all the same kind of thing? And and really what got you there, Jocelyn? Because you're exceptional at it. Oh, thank you. I think uh, that's a good question. And I think I've always been passionate about communication. So I studied communications and creative writing in college. And, you know, coming out of college, you you think you have one idea about what you want to do, but there's many iterations that happen after that. So I went to work at an ad agency. I loved the experience. I got to do some copywriting. I really worked heavily in advertising there and marketing. Um, but still, it's all about messaging. It's all about the story you're telling. So 
From there, I ended up taking an account uh, on my own. I got the opportunity to start my own business. I was 23, so it was before anyone really knew how to use cell phones, but I had one. <laughs> Their messages. So I think over the years, my, my clients have adapted, and I've tried to adapt the services, but it's all really around what's your story. It's either the story of your business or the story of your life. I've been editing books for probably 20 years or so, around the, around the amount of time that I've had my own business. Um, but I also have done marketing and platform development and try to you know, meet people where they are with, with what part of their story they need to tell. Yeah, I've always found the whole idea of somebody telling their story really interesting. But I've seen it done really badly. Sure. And I've seen it done, eh, and I've seen it done really, really well. I mean, if we think about brands in America today, we look at people, and this is not just authors, this is a business. They tell a story that isn't authentic to them, right. but it's what they want people to believe about them. And then over time, that begins to unravel. And that's when brands start to fail. What do you say to people when you're starting the process with them of helping them tell their story to help it be have longevity? That's a very good question too. And it actually, I believe, comes back to one of your messages, which is about questions. And I always ask questions up front. You talk a lot about asking the right questions. And sometimes those questions are questions you ask yourself, but sometimes you need someone else to be there to ask the questions of you. So I think early on with any client, I try to ask the right questions to help them get to the bottom of what it is that either their company or, or that their story stands for. So, um, you know, if it's, if it's ice cream, whatever it is, there's a story behind it. There's a reason you're there. There's something that you're giving back to the world. It might be going through grief and talking about the triumph that you are able to experience at the end when you are able to tackle that pain. Um, it might be the story of your consulting company and how, how you, handle your clients. But whatever it is, I ask enough questions up front that I can understand not only their story for this particular project, but how it fits into their whole life or their whole business. And is that even before you say yes to doing their project? Often it is. It depends on, on the client. But if at any point, if I can ask those questions, I feel like that's a gift to me to get those answers. And, you know, I don't like to pester people <laughs> with questions, but Anyone who's willing to take the time, I have a survey I send to start with new clients so that they can write out their thoughts if they want to. Um, but I usually also get on the phone or get on a Zoom call and just kind of get to the bottom of the whole picture of what they're doing because you'll often hire an editor and you think they're just going to do line editing or they're just going to correct my grammar. But there's usually a, a bigger story behind their need and it's usually related to where does that fit into their life or where does that fit into the the bigger story that they're trying to tell, like I'm just working with somebody who lost his uh, wife to cancer. You know, what, what is the story there? That someone else is a leadership consultant and they're telling a story to be a part of their bigger platform and their message. So I like to get all of those details I can up front and really just get to know someone because like you said, part of it is a chemistry and how do you get along with the person you're working with and the person who you trust with sometimes vulnerable information. So yes. I, I remember when, um, I was first referred to you and, and I had a list of like five different editors Marlene Chisholm referred, yeah. referred me to you. And then I spoke with Ann Bruce and, and a number of other people and they're like, Oh my God, you can't go with anybody besides Jocelyn. And I'm like, 
yeah, but I've never worked with an editor at this level where you're sharing from your heart, you're sharing, you know, your passion story and, and different aspects. And you said, send me a few pages of your book and let me edit them. Right. And then you said, and anybody else that I'm considering, I should do that too. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, what if they say no? And then you said, well, then walk away. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I didn't fully understand it at first, but it made sense in a way, right? Because you're about to start this very intense relationship with somebody. And I got yours back and I got four other ones back. And I remember one of them, my back got up. I was like, you know, I had this horrible feeling. My hair was standing on edge. I was angry and I had to figure out why I was angry. Right. And I realized that that person completely changed my voice and not for a better way, but in a way that I could not authentically ever be. It, It was their voice, not my voice. Right. And then there were some people in the middle kind of thing. And I do remember and this was the thing that sealed the deal, was instead of just editing and changing things, you asked questions inside the edit because you're like, well, I know you know this, Laura, really well. You've been living it. But can you imagine somebody who doesn't know this? What other information would they be asking for? And then you gave me like some examples. And that's a that's a gift because it enabled me to draw more out for the book versus just being this structure. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from for you? Because there's so many books. I mean, you've ghostwritten books, which is a whole nother uh, topic completely where you're having to draw out from somebody before you write it. But to be able to really sit back, understand somebody's voice and then draw it out of them. Where does that come from? And and what would be your advice to somebody? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, I think I have a natural curiosity about most people's lives. And if I take on a project, it's usually because there's enough of a connection where I have curiosity about their topic and their story. Um, So part of it is my raw curiosity. And I, I also like to approach it as a reader would not knowing what their book is about and you know what questions do I have along the way. So I'm reading it very deeply and I I go into my little cave when I'm doing this, especially with the first revision, with no distractions. And I I comment on whatever I notice. So if it's a question or if it's a comment, um, a strength, I also like to point out strengths in someone's writing because not only do we all need encouragement, but we also all need to know what we're doing right so that we can emulate that elsewhere or what we're doing that's effective. Um, But you know I just I want to provide the best that I can, or I want to provide all the, all the observations that I can make for that person to, to help them take it to the next level. But I do think I'm naturally curious. You know, I have a lot of diverse background traveling and, and um, the people that I've met and the jobs that I've had. So I'm naturally interested in learning more about the authors I work with and the books that they tell. And I, and I also love if I can, like I said, try to fit it into their business. So someone might be writing a story and not really highlighting the service or the story that goes along with their business in it. So I like to be able to ask those questions to pull it out. Now you've written, written, edited, co-written a a number of books. I've always wanted to ask you this. (laughs) We've known each other for a really long time now. 
Now, I've always wanted to ask you this. A number of gurus out there say that your book should be the new business card, mm-hmm. that it should push your business and it shouldn't just be a book where you're trying to inform. You, you have to really push selling something. So like interwoven throughout the entire book should be references, go here, go there. You know, there's this special offer for you. What's sure. your thinking on all of that? That's a great question. I, um, there has been a big movement towards doing that. And I think there are merits to it. I do think that a business or a, a book can be a valuable um, component of your business and a valuable marketing piece, so to speak. I tend to shy away from gimmicky types of marketing practices, ones that are you know, getting people to sign up for something just so you can sell them something else. Not to say that that can't happen, but I think it starts with building value. I don't think if you have if you don't have a message created that that is actually going to move someone to do something different, then maybe you're not ready to write a book. Maybe it's just a marketing piece or an article to start with. So I do think it's valuable to put those pieces in there, those little, you know, connect with me here or this, as long as you can continue to provide value to that person, um, as long as it still is in line with your overall business message and values, then there's no there's no harm in, in doing that. But okay. make sure that the message is strong along with it. Yeah, because I've seen so many of these books come out that you can tell a certain guru, performance specialist or whatever had their hand in. And, you know, they come to me because they want me to interview them on the show. And I'm like, well, I need to read the book at, at you know, in advance. And I get the book and it's, you know, like really thin. Right. And there's like one piece of content. Right. Everything else feels like it's this massive marketing message. Right. And I feel like we're missing the boat somewhere because both for, for me, books have changed my life, my entire life. Mm-hmm. It gave me access to information that the people around me didn't necessarily have that could help me shift my perspective. What's the balance? I mean, how do you balance both things where you providing enough information for somebody to make a shift in their life, but also say, Hey, come find me. I have more than what's in here. I think that's a good question. I, you know, I think with a book, it starts with a message, but I, but I think there's an appropriate amount of additions to, to get people to connect with you. Um, I think sometimes it's hard to tell when it's your own book. I had someone send me a book yesterday and he said, I think the first whole section is completely salesy. I don't want it to sound like that. Because one of the questions I ask people up front is, how do you not want to come across in this book? You know, what tone do you not want to have? Because that's sometimes as important as what you do want to come across. Oh, I love it. I just got goosebumps. Oh. How do you not want to sound? Right. Wow. Okay. I never, I never thought of that. Ever. (laughs) I'm glad I could share something. That's wonderful. Yeah. So, you know, these are the questions that I want to know because while I'm editing, I keep all of these things in mind. And I, even when I'm done with the edits, I'll go back and read the questions again, and read the answers to make sure that all of my edits are in line with those goals. And I'll sometimes rework something at the end after going through a whole book just to make sure that that message is still what that author wants, as well as what I believe will work the best for their goals. But, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's very important to, to think about how you don't want to come across. And there's no harm in putting, putting the content out there just how it comes out of your head. And if it doesn't come across the way someone else might receive it or the way you want it to, that's what an editor is there for, to help 
pull it down or sharpen it or say, maybe you don't want to say this that, this way because this is the impression that, that I get reading it. And I don't think that's what you're intending. You know, so that's where an outsider helps. Okay. So can you step us through your process of what you do when you're helping somebody pull out their story? Yeah, I, I try to meet an author or a business leader if I'm doing more of the marketing um, platform development, but I try to meet the person where they are. So some people come to me and they have a robust platform and they have a book, you know, this might be their sixth book or something like that. So how I approach that might be a little different than somebody who doesn't yet have a website, who's a new author, who has never written before. I also work with people who just struggle to write, people who are dyslexic or have uh, ability don't have the ability to get their thoughts out on paper very clearly. So I, again, it's about asking questions and listening, but typically for most authors, it will be a process. If they have a book already written, um, asking these questions up front, I go through a one round of deep developmental edits, which is what you're talking about with all the comments in the margin and uh, questions. And I try to be sensitive to how much an author wants of that so that I don't overwhelm. Um, but I also, that's sort of my style is to make sure that I'm thorough. So if someone just wants a copy edit, I can do it, but I prefer to be able to help develop it. So I do okay, that. So tell the difference between a copy edit and a developmental edit. So a copy edit would be going through and correcting grammar, punctuation, and all of those things are very important. Um, and also streamlining sentences so that they sound better. So when I, when I read a book and I edit, I'm listening to it in my head at the same time. I'm listening to how it sounds. So it's not just, did you say it correctly, but did you say it? well. Okay. And again, I'm trying to be sensitive to the author's voice. I don't want to change their voice so much that it's not their book. So it's just subtle changes. So that's copy editing. Developmental editing is, is all the content there? Is it all in the book? Is it redundant? Do you need to take a chapter out because it's saying the exact same thing as your last chapter? If it's a business development book, do you have a model behind it or are there solid principles for each point? So it's all of those things. And then the subtle things, like you said, that, you know, asking questions about drawing people out a little bit more. So if it's a personal story, I edited uh, yesterday a story about a girl who, a woman who had uh, had a difficult pregnancy. She nearly lost her, her babies before they were born and then she had a premature birth. So I'm asking her questions because when you go through a trauma like that and you write about it, you're writing the first thing that comes to your mind and, and that's great, it's powerful. But sometimes there, there are little details that a reader wants to know that you might not think to write because you're so busy in that trauma that you don't notice what else is going on, on in the room. And if you don't, that's great. But I want to know, I want to know that. I want to know, did you notice what your husband was doing? You know, these sorts of things. Right. So that's, that's the developmental side. Okay. All right. So when, when somebody, when you're doing your developmental edit and you're in this process, what do you wish that the authors did before or the, the because since you do, you've worked with many large corporations, you and your husband, Scott, who's going to be on next week with your company, Lead to Engage. Um, what do you wish the people asked themselves or thought about before they submitted some things to make that process or the, the depth of material that much stronger? Mm -hmm. well, that's a great question. I think with a book, as, as far as you can take it before you hand it over to the editor, whoever you use, they're going to be able to take it that much further. So if you have other ideas for how to improve it, I would say work on those before you hand it over. Because I can take a book to the next level, but probably each time I read it, we could take it even further together. 
I worked with my husband and a co-author on a book. We've worked on it for about two years, I think, and we've probably had 20 iterations, and we're now presenting it to a publisher. We have our second meeting this next week with the sales department, so it's it's a process, but yes, get it as far as you can. Um, with a corporation, I think just, again, we ask a lot of questions when we go into a corporation. We, we meet with each leader one-on-one, -on -one and we ask questions about, sometimes it's change management, so it's what are you going through? Um, like Maybe it's an ERP change, and we're asking questions about that process, and, and just what are the strengths of your organization, because those are the things you're going to rely on. So I think in those cases, it's just be willing to be open. I, ho I, I hope that leaders understand the importance of getting behind that, because People in uh, people in organizations are going to have questions about why leaders are changing, and mm -hmm. we're there to try to kind of play play dumb sort of and ask these questions up front so we can understand their answers that they don't always bother to communicate because they assume that people know what they don't know. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. I want to expand on it a, a little further because one of the things that I know you're so exceptional at, right, is this whole idea of drawing somebody out and not everybody sadly can afford the services of somebody to help them do that right yeah. and i've seen you know i work with clients one-on-one -on -one to help them figure out you know what their mission is what their cause is what they want people to know and and really honestly as you did with me helped me get that authenticity that genuineness out that I was a little afraid to share in some aspects mm -hmm. because you know it makes you very very vulnerable. Right. Is that a very critical part of the process no matter what part of your story, you know, sharing your message that matters? Um is it somehow being able to access that vulnerability that enables that to be that much more impactful? That's a good question. I I think I think it never hurts to to be willing to be vulnerable. Everyone's going to have a different comfort level with how much they share. But I have to say that some of the most powerful um, opportunities for positive change, both in a book and even in organizations, have been when people have been willing to be really honest. And you know, we've had people cry in rooms with us sharing information, even in a business setting. And it's it's not because it. We're, we're beating them up or anything. It's because they're able to share. I think that connection really helps. But, you know, I, not everybody's comfortable with that. And I try to be sensitive to that up front. I don't think you have to feel like it's a therapy session to write your book or to, you know, go into a, a meeting with us. It's definitely not what we're trying to do. But we are trying to ask questions to get to the heart of what matters. Um, we laugh a lot, too. So it's not all crying. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that's a very good question, how vulnerable you have to be. I think it also depends on your story. Are you telling a story that's a life story? I've worked on some very painful stories, and that's the goal, I believe, in writing those books for these people have been to kind of heal through that and also show other people that there can be hope on the other side of these traumas. So for those types of stories, I think it's pretty important to be pretty vulnerable. With business, business type of stories, you know, maybe you're not sharing quite to that level. I also don't mind knowing as much as I can up front and we can always trim it out of the book. Sometimes it's helpful to know what drives somebody. How did you come to this principle of being so important? And then we can just sort of massage how much we actually want to show the public. I had a writing teacher once say, write about what you don't want anyone to ever know and then burn it up. So I mean, that's kind of <laughs> advice, you know, it's like, what do you not want? Again, it's what do you not want to share? 
So I'm always willing to burn up parts of the book that someone sends to me and they're not sure if they want to include them. But sometimes just the process of getting it out helps them come to terms with it or see it in a different way. Yeah, I remember my literary attorney, Peter Hoppenfeld, when I was trying to, when I was writing the part of the book, the business section of the book, and I was talking about situations that occurred in the business. And when I was talking about my brother passing away and the end of my first marriage and stuff like that, and I, and I had him read it because I was concerned, right? Especially on the business stuff. I wanted to make sure that everything I said could not come back in a way that would injure somebody right. or injure me at the same time. And I remember Peter said to me, Laura, the truth is never a bad thing. But, oh, we got the, the kitten finally came in. Yes. My partner. We, we were wondering when that was going to happen. Well, it's a funny spot there, and he just uh, decided it was time to move. Like, okay, we're going to walk across the screen. And, you know, he said, the truth is never a bad thing as long as it's truly the truth. And he said, sure. the best way is write it out first, mm-hmm. what you think is the truth, then step back. Yes. And say, was that emotion clouding the the accuracy of the statements or was it really truth? Right. And and I did notice that when you and I worked together on a couple of things, because I told you there are a couple of sections that were, you know, very emotionally charged, you helped me get through to make sure that what was said was truly truth. Mm-hmm. And I never got blowback, never got anything because it was just presented as facts. There was no emotional charge to those things. It was like, here's, and then you made me change some words here or there that, that made it even more palatable for me as the person writing it. When you are trying to decide what you're going to write, whether Mm -hmm. it's a marketing piece, whether it's an article, whether it's your 30 second elevator speech. What would your recommendation be to somebody to help them narrow? Because I I mean, I'm trying to write another book and I can't even decide what it is I want to write. I have like 10 different ideas and I can't seem to narrow the focus. Right. That's a great question too. I love your questions. (laughs) Question lady. So um, yes, I think, I think again, it comes to questions and it comes to, um, I, I actually like to meet people in that process too. I just spoke with somebody last week in uh, England and he has three big ideas. And one of them is a book about, you know, finance and one of them is a book about coaching. And one of them is um, actually developing his coaching model. So where do we start? I think, it takes some coaching to learn where sort of where the lowest hanging fruit is, but also how that fits into the big picture and the goal. So it's coaching. uh, uh, I've done this with, did this with one author who had a message about how women and and, uh, people in general compare themselves to other people and just the, uh, the tool that can take on us. And she said, I don't know if this is an article or a book. I have an idea. So we talked, we talked again, as we went, she was able to develop it into an outline, create a book, and she just got a major publisher last year. So it, it's a process, and you might not know right off the bat, but I think having someone there to ask the questions and then provide insight. Um, I worked with another person last week who has a journal she wants to publish quarterly. 
it's very you know, difficult right now to do something quarterly that's in print. So I gave her a bunch of other ideas as well. And I think just being willing to meet someone where they are and provide as much in the way of ideas that I can to, to take them to the next step. You don't have to worry about the final step, just what is the next step? And if you don't know what that is, ask someone else, whether it's paying someone to help you with it or asking a friend, what do you see here or somebody in your industry? So. Yeah. How, how do you keep on track though? I mean, I'm always amazed with the number of projects that you have going at any one point in time. And I'm struggling to just write the next book. And it's when it's your own thing, you know, I have a book that I started in my twenties and I still haven't published it. <laughs> I think it's harder. It's, it's easier for me to come alongside someone else and see, okay. I get excited at pulling out the story or pulling out the, the book or the, I, the idea that's going to get them to the next level. I, I love that process. I can't do it to myself nearly as well. So I don't think anyone should beat themselves up for not being able to figure that out or, or struggling to figure out what the next step is. Um, okay. I try to make it as easy as possible. If I work with anyone and all they want is a little bit of advice, I'm happy to give that. But whether it's me or someone else, I think just asking someone else how they see that situation. I so I'm happy to help you, Laura. <laughs> I'd love to talk to you. <laughs> yes, please, please. I have like these several books in me. And visits and, and uh, have a glass of water with it or whatever. <laughs> I think that's really goosebump again kind of thing, you know, shivers up my spine. I'm really good at helping other people get their focus. Right. And I can, you know, I help my clients. You know, I had one who in three months, he went from the red to the black in his business. Wonderful. Really simple and easy to do for me to help him do that, right? As long as he was willing to do it. But, you know, we gave concrete steps. And then I get so mad at myself because I'm like, why can't I do this for myself? And I realized with what you just said, the reason I was able to get my book done so well with you was the accountability. Yeah, right. If you have someone else who's looking at it, who you know you owe something to in terms of a deadline, um, and you're paying even, I mean, in those sorts of cases, or even if you're not, but it's just, it is different when you have an accountability partner. And I think that's a great point, just to have someone else there, you know, coaching you along the way, encouraging you, and then subtly shaping the, the, the next steps. But yes, do not beat yourself up because I'm in the same boat. You know, <laughs> we just updated our website this year and, you know, I work on websites for other people, but it's so hard when it's your own thing. It just takes yeah. a different. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so hard when it's, it's your own thing. And, and I really, that just sunk into a level, Jocelyn, that I didn't get until today. So thank you oh, for that. Wonderful. You know? Well, that's great. Again, like I'm, I, like I said, I'm, very happy to uh, to talk to you about your book. Maybe we can trade books because I need help. Okay. With my <laughs> I've never shared mine really with anyone. So. Oh my God. Then I have to read whatever you've written. Please. I want to do that. That would Not be so much fun. Okay, cool. Great. <laughs> um, what do you think is the biggest myth that think people think about sharing their story, publishing that whole genre? That's a good question. I think, you know, with publishing, I would say the biggest myth is that a publisher is going to deliver you to the Today Show or, um, you know, some major book club award or something like that. It, there's a lot of work that goes into writing a book. And I saw 
a New York Times bestselling author who's um, a colleague of ours or a, a friend. He's, he's related to somebody we know. But anyway, he had a great little video the other day talking about that and how he's a bestselling author, but he held up the check from his first book, the royalty check. And he said, if you expect to live off this, and it was like $12 or something. This was from his first book. And that's not to say that he didn't make good money on the, on the books that sold well during the time. Right. Sued, but the point is, it's not, it's, first of all, it's very hard to get a New York Times bestseller. Um, and second of all, a publisher is not going to deliver you to fame usually, unless you happen to have a really scandalous story or, or very, very groundbreaking. And, you know, even if, even then you probably have to go through a little work to get there. So uh, I think that's probably the biggest myth. But I think more and more people are being realistic about their books and understanding that there is a process to go through to get their book out, to get it recognized. I'm finding people seem to understand that quite a bit more than they used to. And I think it's because now there are so many resources out there for authors to learn about publishing industry. So many more ranges of, of publishing options in terms of publishing it on your own, getting it onto Amazon, you know, even marketing people that can come alongside you without a big budget to help you get the word out. I see a number of people because people come to me all the time. Number one, mm -hmm. I have a lot of people on the show that talk to this topic, telling your story, publishing, uh, ghostwriting, editing, and all of that. And they come to me all the time and they're like, can you read this? And I read it and I go, <laughs> I mean, I literally, I get that look on my face. And for those of you who are listening on the podcast, the look on my face was like, you've got to be kidding. Right. <laughs> this isn't even a book and there are so many typos. There's so many grammatical errors. There's words missing. Um, there's no flow. And they think that it's okay because they can just self-publish mm -hmm. to put out a book that isn't a good book. Right. It doesn't, doesn't stand up. Um, absolutely. What do, you, what do you say to that? Well, absolutely. If, if you're self-publishing, it's actually more important, I think, to get an editor because you won't have the editorial process that a publisher provides. A publisher does provide some editorial at the end, usually, depending on the publisher, but a lot of the, the big traditional publishers will have a copy editor at the end and a little bit of developmental work. But if you're self-publishing, that's your story out there. It's even more important to make sure that it's, you know, at least proofread, but, but hopefully a little bit of development work along the way, too. And, and all the other components that a publisher would take care of, like a, a getting a cover design and getting the layout done and all those things, that's on you, um, which is good. You have flexibility to do it the way you want, but it is important, I think, to, to do it well. Because yes, I think that has given self-publishing a bad name uh, <laughs> when there are books going out there that are just really poor quality. And people don't realize that if you, let's use Amazon as the example, because it is the 800 pound gorilla in the room, right? Sure. Where more people buy books, especially eBooks and things like that. They don't realize that you can send your books back. And, and that's a ding against you. Right. As, as an author, if you get too many books returned with comments like bad grammar, there's, you know, there's errors in the book, those kind of things that, puts a, a bad mark on you, like it would in any business. I just got a, a, an author a couple weeks ago who um, came to me because she had her book on Amazon. She had self-published and her readers were telling her that there were errors in it. And yeah, sure enough, there were a lot of errors in it. Um, so she pulled it and I edited it for her and she's getting it back out. But, uh, but yes, you don't want to put 
you always want to put your best foot forward. It's like going into a job interview. You know, you, you want you want people to come back to you and buy your next book. And if they're so distracted by the typos or if they can't follow the story, that's another issue that I have. If I don't understand what you're trying to say, even if it's a great idea, it needs a little work to get to that point where the reader is going to want to keep reading it and then pick up your next book. So yeah, that's a great point. I think it's a, it's definitely important with self-publishing to get as much help as you can. And, it, and, and there are editors that, there are uh, services that can provide what you need for various price points. So before people think it's too expensive, you know, explore it. There are options. Is the price point all over the place? It can be. You could get someone right out of college wanting to get some experience editing. Um, they may or may not be highly qualified, but they might be better than, than just putting it out on your own. Um, and then you can get people with lots of experience. And, you, and it's also the depth of which someone reads it, like you talked about, the developmental versus just the copy edit. Uh, so just asking an editor those questions, interviewing the editor, like you said you did, just asking what is it that you're going to do? And even if you need to get a sample um, edit from them on, to kind of see their style and to, to see if, if it is correct or not. And if it is workable with your personality. One of the, one of my friends, one of the ways they found their editor, um, this was before I had written my book and got to know you was they went to the bookstore and they grabbed copies of books in their genre and oh, wow. they read through the acknowledgement section and found the names of editors that were constantly called out. That's great. Books. What a great idea. And they went, well, if these people are saying that their editor was great and then they reached out, sometimes you just couldn't get them because it happened to be an editor through a publishing house. And, sure. you know, it wasn't, they weren't at that point in the process, but they, they learned a lot about things by pouring through the acknowledgement sections of books. That's a great point, and that's a great idea. And you know, all of my business has come word of mouth over the years because of that. I think it's so ask somebody you know, do you know an editor, like somebody you know who's written a book, ask them who they use, ask them what their experience was, see if you can get a referral. But uh but that's a great idea. I never thought of that <laughs> to actually go read books and and call the acknowledgments. That's wonderful. Yeah, they say that that's also a great way to find agents. If you find sure. books in your genre they'll typically acknowledge their agent right. in, in the process or their literary attorney or somebody in there. If you can't, especially nowadays where you can't get to conferences and meet some of these people where you would pitch to different right. folks. Um, it, I thought that was interesting what you can find out. I've, I've always loved reading the acknowledgement section. Yeah. Sometimes it brings me to tears. I know I do too, just to see how people are touched and then how they honor other people. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, and who impacted them in, in some shape or, or form. One question I want to make sure we, we touch on, because you, you mentioned it, was the book covers. Sure. And when you're telling your story through a written word, even if it's ebook or audiobook, it's still written word, right? At some point, it was a written word right. that got converted to an audiobook or to an ebook or something like that. How important is the cover? And when, because you, you've helped people with covers and, and different things like that to get ideas. Uh, what are some things people need to be thinking about? Because some people go, oh, I have to write my book first and then the cover will come. Or I saw this cover and then I wrote my book because sure. it sure. appeared sure. in my head. 
Yeah, I think I do think the cover is important. I mean, that's that's the first thing people are going to see. Even scrolling through Amazon, they may be searching for a subject or a title catches their eye, but the next thing they're going to see is your cover. Um, and obviously, in person, in a in a bookstore, it's even more important. But I think you know what I like to do with an author. I am not a designer. I don't want to even attempt to try to design. I have an artist artistic background, but I don't know anything about the the computer skills that are needed for creating a cover, but I have designers I work with who are phenomenal and, you know, affordable, I believe, for the amount of value you get in having a nice cover. So I try to do a little interviewing there as well with finding out what style they like. Um, sort of like what you said about culling through the acknowledgements. I ask them to go to the bookstore or look online at covers that, that catch their attention just for the style. Uh, let me know any colors they like and then any ideas they might have for the cover. And I send them to a designer and that designer comes up with a few creative ideas. But I do think it makes a big difference to have a solid um, cover. And people who work with me do not have to use my designer. I'm happy to help them uh, with their own designer or just let them do that on their own. And like, yeah. like we've talked about, a publisher will do it for you. But, um, but yes, I do think it's very important. And the flip side of that, literally, is the back cover. Right. I yeah. have read some back covers that are fantastic that really make you want to get into the book and other ones where I read it go, Oh, I have no interest in this book. So whatsoever. It's very important. Why? And what's the trick? Yeah, that's almost a whole other art. I love writing back covers. I love writing those, the blurbs. And again, it's something you have to almost not be yourself to write because you have to see how someone else sees your story and how someone else, if there's an author bio there, it needs to be how someone else sees you as well. Um, but it's, it's about how someone feels reading it and there's, there needs to be enough detail to pull someone into the actual subject, but it's how do you feel when you pick up this book and you read these, these few lines about it. So, um, and that's, it's a marketing piece. I'm, my background is also in marketing. So I enjoy that part because it's pulling the creative story piece in with the marketing side and helping people get interested in your book. Okay. So let's talk the marketing side then. What should somebody be doing? Thinking well, about that's, a big, that's a big question, and I think it depends on what your strengths are, what your budget is, what, what route you take. Um, I work in marketing in the past, and I've done some work with authors. I don't typically take on big marketing projects. I like to refer those out, but I, um, I well, think you're doing it for you and Scott. Yes, right? yes. Scott's so, him, so he's a professional speaker. If you're a speaker and you're out there talking about the subject that's in your book, you have a natural audience in front of you to buy your book. So we bring books to events, we schedule or we uh, work up front with clients who want to pre-purchase copies of the book for a discount. And if you are trying to secure a publisher and they know that you're out there speaking on the topic, you have a much greater chance, I believe, of getting a, a book deal because they see that as uh, a live audience that is emotionally connected to your message and they are going to want to get out there. So that's that's probably my specialty in the marketing realm is helping people develop that speaking platform. Uh, I manage my husband's speaking events, so I know that world inside out. <laughs> um, but beyond that, you know, you can write articles, you can blog about the topics, you can build your own community, social media, send out videos, play to your strengths and, and your existing platform and grow from there. And then the pieces that you don't have if you can hire somebody to help with those people think they have to go on the today show again you know we're talking about these big tv shows people think they need to do that to sell books you don't have to you can start with 
you know, a, a local community group that is in the subject line of your book. Um, just network right where you are and begin to get the word out. It, it's changed a bit during these times because, you know, I used to be on stages and, and everything until the sound-induced vertigo hit, which I'm very happy right now. So far today, it's this interview has gone really well. This earplug seems to be working and the way I've got this room configured seems to be okay compared to last week where I thought I was going to just black out during <laughs> when I hope I'm not too loud. No, no, you're doing great. So thank you. Um, but the world's kind of shifted right now. And I know so many speakers are like, Oh my God, I've lost a ton of money because right. I'm not out there speaking. So my, my behind the scenes sales of coaching or consulting or book sales or other program sales has really dropped down. And then there are other ones who are like, I am busier than ever. Right. Because I, I'm being paid to do uh, webinars for people. I've been paid to keynote to a corporation mm -hmm. via Zoom. I, I think it's even better. Heck, you don't have to go anywhere, but right. people feel that personal touch isn't quite there yet. How are you and Scott dealing with the shift in the way your business has been working? Yeah, it has been an, abs an absolute shift, uh, especially I think for him as a speaker, we had, uh, we were actually traveling when all of this came down and, and when the shutdown started happening, we were in Minnesota, um, working for a university, doing consulting and training and got word that things might shut down or might change even. And then as we traveled back, it, it was in the process of happening until the point where our plane was just about empty. So, and, and then we got home and all of the speaking got canceled for the next you know three months. And that's, yes, it's a, it's a hit for sure. So um, early on we started blogging and just kind of getting content out there and just trying to stay relevant, I guess, in terms of our messaging. Um, since then, uh, it's a great time to write books. And I've been very busy with helping people with books. So that's um, been a blessing for me to help people still. And Scott's been working on coaching. And we do have clients now that are coming out of the, the fog enough to figure out what are they now going to do with those events? Because they didn't actually cancel. I guess I should have said they postponed. They postponed to the fall. And now they're saying, well, we still need to do this event, but it's going to be virtual. So what we're doing is adapting. So we're setting up um, a virtual studio in our home. We're working with them to try to answer questions about platforms because that's something that a lot of these groups have never had to deal with before. Um, you know, they miss the in-person events also. They're talking about it, how it's hard, especially associations that can no longer get their members together. And so we're trying to provide whatever value we can. We do coaching and change management, which obviously this is a change. So we can do that just as well sitting here as we can going into a building and, and helping people. So we try to keep providing that, but it's, it's an ongoing process. Um, but I think there's still, you know, again, go back to your message. If you're a speaker, go back to the message that you share and how can you get that out in other ways? And, you know, the monetization of it comes over time, but I think it's there. It's just different. You've, you've talked to some great people along those lines too, people who've managed to make those conversions. Yeah, I, I had, I've had several speakers on one person, um, she's big in the strength finders world. She switched her business before COVID yeah. from, you know, like 90% in person to 80 to 90% remote and rapidly discovered that she was busier than ever and making more money than ever because she could actually reach more people. Right. And a lot of these people are home anyway now. So, you know, we, 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 
it's, it's different. Um, Scott was speaking with a very large company last week, a leader from, from uh, Microsoft, and they're interested in having him do some coaching. You know, I, I think we still need that support, even if we can't bring in the big speakers and, and all of that. And so I think it's just asking, again, it's asking questions of, of leaders. So we've called a lot of our clients and just asked them, how are you doing? And tried to provide value and also listen to what, what solutions they need. And now we're trying to kind of adapt to meet those needs. But yeah, it is a, it is a transition, but I think there's still, there's still business to be had for people in that industry. I did a webinar keynote for Microsoft a few years ago, and we had talked about me coming to a location to do it. And then they asked if I'd be willing to do it via webinar. And I said, sure. And I said, why? And they said, because this is something that we want all of our employees around the world to be able to listen to what you have to say. Right. We had to fly them all in. Number one, there's no place big enough to do that. And, and number two, we're all going to record it. So this is something that they can watch on their own time. Because, you know, I start my show, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, because it is a global mm-hmm. world. Even though we've gotten much, our borders personally have, you know, have shrunk quite a bit because we're not traveling. It's still a global world. It's right. still a global economy. And we're seeing those shifts happening one of the things I love about books is they are truly global. They speak to people and they meet them where they're at. They'll find your book because it's something they're looking for as long as you've written the marketing copy around the book so that they find it the right way. Right. That's very true. And I love that universal aspect of, and also like you said, what we're going through right now allows some of that content to get out to a broader group of people and, and impact more people. Um, I think that's very powerful. And, you know, we had done a little bit of that work in the past with creating content for LMS for the federal government and things like that. But um, I think now it's, it's causing companies to shift to that area or to shift that direction, uh, maybe before they would have otherwise, but I think there's going to be long-term value in doing that. So I love what you say about that being universal. Yeah. You know, I, I was raised that books transport you around the world. And books meet you where you're at and take you to the next level. That's what my parents always said. Mm-hmm. And the work that you do, what is so beautiful about it is you help somebody unlock the, the full depth of what it is they need to share with the world, which I think is just um, I'm getting things beeping and moving all over here, trying this time to try to keep that going. I'm like, what's that? What's that vibrating thing going on over there? Anyway, I think that's what's so beautiful about what you do is you help people get their message out, get that piece that they don't see, that they can help other people do, but they need somebody to help them do it. So, um, well, you know, I'm just like your biggest cheerleader in the world. I want to make sure. I want to make sure you share um, how people can find you, how they can get the help. You have a lot of resources as well that people can can use to help them put together the process. Sure. I love talking to people and I, I'm a, I try to be generous with my time and just help people however I can. So I, my website, it's with my husband, but it's lead to engage.com and you can contact us through the contact form there. Our phone number is also on there. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook, Jocelyn Carbonara. Um, 
So yeah, I would love to talk to, to anyone who, who just has a question or you can leave a comment, I believe in this video, if it's on Facebook and I'd be happy to answer. Right, so you'll, you'll lurk afterwards and answer whatever, because I literally enlarged my whole screen so I couldn't see any pop-ups that were happening in Facebook Live because I was trying to work with a couple of other things here. I will eventually get this balance right, Joss. <laughs> you are doing a fantastic job. I love your questions. You make it so easy to just talk, and I feel like we're just sitting together, and I don't have to, to worry. So thank you so much for your, your wonderful questions. And it has been an honor to work with you and to know you. So whatever you said about me, I appreciate, but it's very reciprocated. So just thank you for trusting me to, to, uh, to help you with your stories and just to, to participate with anything I can. I, I remember my mom when my book came out and she knew I was working with you and she was just like, this is a really powerful book. And I was worried when my mom was going to read it, right? My dad was already in heaven. and you know, to have a parent read something that just so came from your heart. And she just said, this is amazing. My mom was an awesome proofreader too. And she goes, there's not a single error in here. <laughs> oh, that's great. And I went, oh my God, thank you, Jocelyn. <laughs> well, thank you so much. That's so sweet. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's really important for people to get their message out. So everybody, I encourage you, go to Lead to Engage. Dot com. Um, reach out to Jocelyn, and I've referred her to a ton of people. There's so many questions you need to ask when you're getting ready to get your book out, when you're getting ready to get your message out, whether you're ready to write a book or not, um, whether you're writing an article that you want to submit to a magazine. I don't submit anything to magazines without having at least another set of eyes on it. And sometimes you have a, if you're writing an article, the magazine has an editor, but some of them don't if you're trying to pitch. So uh, I used to, remember Jocelyn, I used to send you all, can you edit this for me <laughs> before I submit something? So it doesn't have to be a full-blown book. It could just be um, an article. It could be even a social media post that you want to make sure your messaging or the wording is correct. It's great to have these tools in your toolbox. So Jocelyn Carbonara is my go-to for it, and she is amazing at what she does. LeadToEngage.com. Thank you again for being here, and thank, thank you to everybody that is working through this process with me of going from the radio station to this new platform uh, of doing video. Wow, it's like so exciting. But remember, at the end of the day, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.